The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is episode 58 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for tuning in to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, this is Give and Go. You can get us wherever you listen to your podcast Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, iHeartRadio. I know, right? Even iHeartRadio. But hey, we're out here. And please, again, leave us a review. Give us some feedback. You can use Siri to make sure that you use and find this show whenever you need to as well. So be sure to do that. And last but not least, of course, check out www.girlssoccernetwork.com for all the latest and greatest news, analysis, everything going on in the world of women's soccer we have you covered again check us out on instagram acro soccer network on twitter acro soccer net again we are coming to you back from la we were in the convention recently we talked about that in our last episode had an incredible interview with marguerite Auzaza in episode 57 that is still available of course it is it is forever available go check that one out this one episode 58 however is just as great we have another interview with one of the biggest names to go along with marguerite we have julianne sitch the university of chicago men's soccer head coach and they also just won the national championship on the men's side with an undefeated season at the division three level that is just unheard of where you know we have a person like julianne sitch to be able to come into that team not change as much as we thought she changed she really came in and earned the trust of that group early on having some familiarity with the group and really took it and run ran with it and helped them win a national championship you could see what it meant to the team if you go to youtube and check out some of the clips online of their celebrations after they won truly truly a heartwarming heartwarming sight so again our talk with her we're going to get into that in a minute not going to keep you waiting for too long just going to give you a rundown of what else we're going to talk about we have the NWSL controversy out of Portland just when we thought we were done there is more and then of course there's been a ton of transfers trades moving pieces around the league that we definitely have to keep you caught up on as well and then lastly the U.S. women's national team getting ready for the she believes cup the rosters are out we're going to take a look at that as well Okay, one last thing before we get into Julianne Sitch. We have a word from one of our sponsors, Parkside Trading Cards, and I am a... I'm obsessed, guys. All right, if you haven't already, I'm a big trading card guy. I collect ever all different types of sports, but women's soccer is a new market. It is exploding. It is taking off. You definitely want to get in on Parkside Trading Cards now before the prices on these cards go up because the market is going to explode Right, you can get a pair a Parkside Paramount box for just $75. Okay. That is cheap. I'm telling you, that is cheap comparatively to what you can get a lot of cards out there for these days, what they sell for. If you want 10% off said order, just use our code GSN10 for 10% off Parkside Trading Cards. Again, parksidecards.com, check them out, go get them. NWSL cards are there. They've got, again, the regular cards and they've got the Paramount to kind of like upgrade and give you kind of like a new feel, a new look and feel for this brand new set of cards. And again, I will say it again, when we were at the convention, we ripped and pulled some of the Parkside Paramount cards and hit an Alex Morgan 10-year anniversary coin card in the card. And if you go to eBay, 
that card is now selling from anywhere to around 60 to $100. So you pretty much make back what you buy the box for if you can hit a card like that. So that's kind of one of the things that you're chasing. So again, parksidecards.com, swear by them. Again, GSN10 for 10% off. That's our code. Be sure to go use it right now. One other key piece of information that we have to let you know about, the return of Sakarista United. It is time for Session 2, which is coming from March through May. It is a program that allows for girls to grow their game by being mentored by elite college athletes from across the country. Girls Soccer Network has gathered experienced college athletes who perform not only on the field, but in the classroom and community to teach the future generation about aspects of the game not typically covered in practice. In this program, girls will be matched with a college player based on a personality test and be able to build a relationship with that college athlete as well as other girls on their team, approximately three to five girls per team. The program is specifically tailored for girls ages 10 to 15 and will be a combination of small group meetings and one-on-one -on -one time with your squad captain, AKA the college players. So for more information, please go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com and check out the Soccerista United product page, which is there on the website. And it is for a session from March to May. So be sure to check that out. All right, without further ado, the interview as promised with Julianne Sitch from the University of Chicago men's soccer team and Sam Carey joined us as well as they actually have a great relationship uh, they've played with each other she was Julianne was Sam's coach down the line so they have some great candor a really great rapport with each other and I think that really made this interview come out fantastic so again please enjoy guys we are with Julianne Sitch the head coach for the University of Chicago men's soccer team and she's fresh off winning a national championship undefeated season uh, Julianne thank you so much for joining us how are you doing today good thank you for having me yeah so right off the bat coming in hot how does it feel for you to be a trailblazer a la Becky Hammond I feel like having such an impact on the men's side you know Becky Hammond was an assistant coach for this for the San Antonio Spurs you're a head coach at the University of Chicago what does it mean to you to kind of be a trailblazer in, in, in that space yeah um, you know it's interesting I think for myself it's been more about um, you know like celebrating the guys and what an unbelievable season they had you know mm -hmm. I think that's important as well like they it's very hard to win national championships and for them to have an undefeated season and to get back to a place of being in the final four we all know that it's hard to get back there they were there in the previous year and to get back to the final four I think that has been remarkable in that sense you know so a huge credit in everything that they have done to get themselves back in that situation um, so Again, credit goes to the guys on all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so naturally, having won at the college level, you have a national championship. I know coaching as a head coach is still relatively new to you. Do you have plans to go to the next level, whether it be Division One or become a professional coach one day? You know, um, you think you could just go through life and being really happy with things that you have, right? Like, I am at an unbelievable university. I work with unbelievable kids. I have a great staff, um, feel very supported, and, you know, I'm happy. You know, and I think um, for myself, like, I want to be in places where I'm happy and feeling supported with the university and things that we're at. So you're very much a in-the-moment type of person and not looking to... No, I think, like, this is such a great moment to just enjoy, right, um, mm -hmm. and be in this space. And, again, like, I think, again, asking the guys to just enjoy this moment. This potentially might not happen again, you know, in, in our lifetimes and stuff. And so being able to just be present in that moment and have them be excited and proud of all the things that they've accomplished this year. You know, one thing you talk about is how they were in the semifinals the year before. And as a player myself, you know, that getting over that hump of that semifinals can be difficult, you know, making it to the national championship alone, let alone winning. What was that moment when they finally beat that semifinal game to make it to the national championship like? Yeah, you know, that was the game that went into overtime um, and scoring late into the overtime. But 
I never felt that we weren't going to do this, and I do not like. I believe that our team knew that we were going to also like win this moment. I think just we. I talk a lot about when you know you have a special team, you just kind of know, and the things fall into place, and the way that this team came together as a group, as a team, as a family. I don't think that anyone had any doubt that we were going to persevere and get over through that game. And that family connection that your team had is that something that was there when you got there and that's kind of inside really culture is that something that kind of came together throughout the season yeah, the previous staffs um, and coaches before and previous alum have really continued to build like a good culture over time. And the previous coaches and my now assistant is part of that previous staff. They have laid a really good foundation of the culture. And it is something that, you know, when I came in and talking about the culture that they wanted to create, I think it's important to give ownership to the players of a culture that they want to be a part of. You know, um, what is something that they are proud of? How do, they, how do people want to speak about us on campus? How do people, what do we want people to know about us right and I think when you engage them in a culture of who they want to be there's ownership in that and there's pride in that and our guys talked a lot about the brotherhood that they wanted to have and I think that that was something that they had continued to build from prior and something that they really laid into this year about having that brotherhood and it was really cool to see in specific moments throughout the season or just even trainings or games or traveling and stuff where you could just continue to see that that brotherhood bond was being formed. And you know you talked about those the brotherhood and Every, how everyone was together. Do you feel like from when you came in from day one, the coaching philosophies and your style, everyone bought in from day one? Yes, I do. And I think, you know, the team has been very successful prior to me getting there, right? I was not looking to come in and change all of these things. Mm. They've been successful, um, you know, and I wanted them to know that too. And me coming in, I'm not looking to change all these things. You guys have been successful. I'm here to just add some pieces, you know, add from my experiences. And, you know, they, they were very motivated and ready to get back and eager to be in that spot again because they had lost the prior year in that semifinal and they came they were motivated they're willing to do anything they were willing to put in the extra time to to be fit you know they came into the season extremely fit from based off the spring and you know what we had them do over the summer and I think it was just that dedication to one another and that wanting to continue to just like persevere and, and move through the season. And what were some of those experiences that you talked about that did really help you and serve you well coming into the University of Chicago? What had helped me come in? Yeah. Um, I think I was there for four years on the women's side, you know, so I knew a lot about the type of student athletes that U Chicago attracts. I knew about the men's program um, with the women's team and men's team. We traveled to all of our conference games together, you know, so I knew a lot about like their culture, or knew some of the guys, knew the alum of the team because um, I'd been around it when I was there on the women's side for four years. Um, had watched the team play for, you know, those years and stuff being there. So I think having those connections and having a little bit of that insight about what you Chicago can attract, you know, really helped. You know, as a player, as a coach, you've had so much success, you know, growing up, going to professional yourself, playing at that level, and then coaching in both professional and high school and not high school, college settings. What is the main difference, you know, going from professional of coaching and assisting with the Chicago Red Stars to now going to U Chicago? Yeah, you know, I think they're at pro it's your job it's your livelihood it's you know it's something you're you're doing um and that college experience is you know you know you're a college athlete yourself you're balancing so many different aspects and being a student athlete and feeling to want to be involved on campus and want to do well in your sport want to do well in the classroom and you know like so it is getting back into that college environment is something that I had always enjoyed um, because I, I you can relate right yes I can relate to the pro environment as well because I had been there I had played there but also can relate to the college athletes and the different challenges that they might have to overcome and you know just knowing what their day-to-day -day life is it's a lot you wake up you have weights you have class you have that you know like we could go on with a structure of their schedules and stuff so I think just kind of being back in that environment is something you know I've, I've enjoyed. And, you know one thing that's really unique about you is you have been around the Chicagoland area pretty much your whole life you know growing up playing at Paul you know being around the Red Stars now you Chicago and everything that you've done there what is it like just to be in the same city and grow through that city as well? Yes it's definitely a running joke with a lot of people that I'll never leave Chicago. Um, <laughs> I have left Chicago I've played in Sweden played in Australia played in other states and cities and stuff but um, you know it is 
it's been really cool, you know, and I think even as a young kid, it was a dream to always want to play in my hometown and play in front, in front of my family and friends, and I was very fortunate that that dream became a reality for me, and I was able to do that. And I think just being in this community and being there, like this community in Chicago has a lot of ties for me. It's given me a lot. It's given me an unbelievable supporting community, and so it's been really cool and special to be in this city that has given me so much and to feel like I can give back in different ways to the community and you have you have such a unique situation in the sense that you played for the red stars in two different leagues right? <laughs> yes Between i the did I, yeah. and the nwsl so not to date myself here when you say <laughs> that. <laughs> but but what were some of the differences that you noticed between the two leagues and what is making the nwsl so successful right now yeah um that's a great question you know um i potentially would have almost played also in all three leagues. The WUSA folded when I was a senior, I believe, in college. So unfortunately, you know, didn't have that opportunity. But to play in the WPS and to kind of see how they were looking to start things out and what they were looking to build, then unfortunately having that fold and coming back in NWSL, it's been really great to see the different progress that they've been able to have. And I think everyone was waiting around that three-year mark, like, is NWSL going to make it? What's going to happen? And to see them push through that um, and to just continue to persevere and, like, we still have a lot of room to grow um, but it's been good to see that the game is continuing to grow we still have those areas that I know we will push and improve upon. and would you say being uh, being a woman in a predominantly you know male dominated workspace have there been any challenges for you as a woman trying to coach men no, I've been very blessed and fortunate with um, the way that the team has embraced me, the university has embraced me, um, you know, coaches going on the recruiting trail, like everyone has really embraced me and made me feel part. And I mean, I, for myself, I'm coaching athletes, right? Like as a coach, you want to coach the athlete to be the best that they can be on and off the field. Um, whether I'm coaching men or women, my culture doesn't change. Um, you know, my messages don't change. My standards don't change. You know, all those things remain the same because for me, I want to be able to push my athletes to be the best that they can on and off the field. And I'm hoping I'm creating the same environment, whether I'm working with men or women, I'm creating an environment for them to feel that they can be themselves, that they can step on the field, express themselves, be confident and continue to grow, to be able to take these lessons that we learn in, in sports to be able to take into the real world. So was there anyone who inspired you to get into coaching or was it something you always knew you wanted to do after your playing career? Um, it's not something I knew I was going to do. Actually, I always wanted to be a PE teacher. It's what I went to school for. So I always kind of thought I was going to be a PE teacher. You know, my dad was a teacher and a guidance counselor. So um, outside of knowing I wanted to be a professional athlete, I always just thought I would be a PE teacher. And it wasn't until, talk about the differences of a little bit of WPS to NWSL. Um, NWSL has a thing now where it's like no more side hustles. Well, I played in that era, the difference of I had side hustles. So, um, you know, I was working two, three different jobs while playing. So I was personal training in the morning, then going to practice, then coming home from practice, doing individuals, and then I was running club practices. So it was within that and that time frame of when I was playing that I realized I really did enjoy coaching, working with athletes and just helping them continue to grow and develop, which is also, I guess, what you would do as a PE teacher. But, right. you know, just um, in a different world, taking that onto the soccer field. You know, one special experience that I have had to have with you personally, such as you have coached me briefly for a summer, but also I got to go to one of your youth practices when you were still working with the Chicago Eclipse. What is it like, you know, you've coached professionals now, you've coached college-age students, and now you're also, you've been around the youth game too. What is it like, you know, seeing those progress of players growing through time and as a coach growing through that as well? Yeah, I think it's um, it's humbling, right? Like every, I just, when uh, you came and played and we did soccer tennis and just something so fun and competitive and just seeing the difference that you guys made is the college athletes coming in and showing these young girls what they could dream and aspire to be. And I think that was really cool. And we played soccer tennis and they had a blast. It was so much fun. And I think just all working with all different ages, different groups, um, it just kind of helps humble you and just makes you take a step back and realize the importance of sport and what it can really do in connecting people in a bigger scheme of things. Absolutely. And I'd also like to put on the record that Sitch did completely with me at soccer tennis. <laughs> it was not even a fair game, and that lasted throughout the entire summer of Sam yeah. whipping me yeah. in soccer tennis. We had multiple rematches, but <laughs> Sam Silver here is still, uh, you know, fighting. Maybe we can rematch after like, this. Yeah, we, we can rematch. Yeah, we can rematch. Can we can rematch. Hey, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never going to let my athletes win. There have been some athletes that beat me, but I will 
Yeah. She's, I'll work. She's holding I'll work it over for your it. head for yeah, forever, I, I basically. Yeah. I also did yeah. make her run a fitness test after a random practice, though, too. So we've had we've had some good friendly competitions. I held my own on the fitness test. Yeah. <laughs> I passed. I passed the beep test. You know, <laughs> running with these guys, blowing past me. You know, but it's all it's all good and fun. So. That's amazing. You know, as with being a coach with me, I have long said after my stint with the Chicago Red Star Reserves that one summer, and honestly, you were only a coach of mine for two months, and the connections you were able to make with girls who came in from all across the country, didn't know each other at all, didn't know you, have lasted a long time. You know, I still talk to a lot of those girls, a lot of the girls still talk so fondly of you. How do you connect with players as well as you do? Great question. Um, you know, I think just, well, one, thank you very much. I appreciate that because that's something that I really take a lot of pride in is trying to create an environment where you guys can come in um, and be yourselves and create. And I think for myself, I think about my time playing, the connections, the relationships, the memories. Like, you think about just the memories that you made and you're smiling and laughing when I said that. So you clearly have had a lot of memories throughout your playing career. And a lot of those, yes, they happen on the field, whether you had to battle through a game and win in overtime or just win late or had to overcome some different adversity like that brings a team together. But also like the moments and memories that you have off the field. We went to Ruby Tuesdays. Well, awesome. That is a memory I will always remember. Just being able to kick back and um, bus rides, right? Or just sitting on the field eating donuts after practice you know just trying to create because relationships I think are so important and it's something that we build off of that we thrive that we want to have like we want to feel valued we want to feel a part of a community makes us feel great right and so I think I just think about the moments that I loved as as a player and those moments were a lot of sitting in 15 passenger vans going to away games you know on the bus in the locker room those are memories and things that now that I'm retired and you know that part of my life potentially has moved on like I, I miss those moments getting those moments back of being in the locker room and the banter and the stuff that you guys have with each other so I really try to create that and hope that I can continue to create that for my athletes so like Sam is mentioning she's able to talk to those players and those are friends for life now that's amazing great stuff uh, what is your advice having played professionally and now as a coach to all the women out there who are looking to go to the next level whether it be as a player or as a coach what are some words of wisdom you can yeah, one big thing is like you you believing in yourself and never letting someone tell you that you can't because if I would have listened to the coaches and the people that told me that I'd never be a professional or that I would never, you know, accomplish my goals or my dreams if I chose certain paths, I wouldn't be sitting here today. You know, and I think um, you might have to do something and that's hard and that's okay. And even if it doesn't work out right away, it doesn't mean you failed. You know, it's maybe you have to take a different route. Maybe you have to look at it differently. But like, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. If you have a burning desire to go and do something where there's a will, there's a way. Go find it. Go make it work. Make it happen for yourself. Um, and be okay that if it doesn't turn out exactly how you want it, it doesn't mean that you haven't been successful within that, right? And um, so that I think just one thing is don't let anyone tell you you can't. Believing in yourself and hard work, right? And enjoy the journey along the way. Make sure that you're taking the moments to just enjoy and be in the be present with it. Again, that was Julianne Sitch, the University of Chicago men's soccer coach. And she was, again, incredible to have on, getting to meet her at the convention, talk about her standards, how she refuses to compromise those standards, and really just made it a point to mention that it had nothing to do with gender. That was one thing that I had to learn, uh, that it's got nothing to do with that, right? It's just about the best person for the job, and that's exactly what she was and in being in that environment there were no challenges for her uh to be dealing with certain types of men who may hold certain viewpoints towards women you know you guys know what i'm talking about in the sense that women can't do this women can't do that all this other stuff so it was great to see her talk about hey this is i was just the best person for the job and I stepped in and didn't try to change too much. It wasn't like this miracle fix that she applied. She came in and, and just fixed everything. That's not what happened. <laughs> she she literally did not change or deviate from what was already in place. She had a good rapport and got them to buy in from the beginning. And so to, to hear that 
and to talk about her on their incredible run was something special. So again, we are so grateful to to Julianne for coming on and speaking with us. And yeah, that was an amazing interview. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And next up, we move to something a little more serious. Just when we thought that there would not be any more controversy, there is. Uh, we have the Portland Thorns just after the team was sold. Merritt Paulson out as CEO. Guess what? We have two more coaches, um, two more members of the organization fired. And boy, is this a shocker to find out, to say the least. Uh, this is one that I feel like is not being talked about enough to be quite honest with you and while the thorns did self-reported it just goes to show that we have a long way to go still um so not only did rian wilkinson resign herself after reporting the relationship then you have assistant sophie clough who was fired for apparently kissing the neck of one of the players during their celebration uh there was also an unwarranted contact substantiated that violated the league's policy which was determined by a third-party investigator so that's the first thing right so, so you not only have the head coach but you have one of the assistant coaches as well in the most popular team in the league the the team that has been the gold standard in terms of performance and being able to play and win titles and be competitive year in and year out has all this stuff going on still underneath. It's incredible to hear this story. I mean, are you kidding me? A neck kiss mid-celebration? That's, uh, that's pretty revealing. So Sophie Clough is out, but the bigger story, the even bigger story, athletic trainer Pierre Sobrier, who is the husband of Crystal Dunn. Crystal Dunn got traded to Portland so that she could essentially be closer to her husband, right, and her family. And, of course, they just had a kid. And so to be hearing this news that he is giving codeine to players, that is a controlled substance, okay? That's like... This isn't just... We aren't talking about violating the league's policy. We're talking about breaking the law here, okay? You're not allowed to do that, period. And so that is what one of the physicians, Dr. Brienne Brown, found out in November that players had been given a prescription drug by one of their athletic trainers. Uh, and that the team's general manager mentioned... Sorry, no. Brienne Brown mentioned to the GM that Sobrier had given two players codeine on the semifinal match, October 22nd. That can only be prescribed by a physician. And so, again, pretty shocking. <laughs> and what was more shocking was Crystal Dunn's response to it. Uh, I think... She really just ducked the entire issue here. I don't think she actually confronted the fact that he broke the law. Like, okay, yes, you support your husband. And there's, of course, you're supposed to support your husband in this situation. And you're supposed to forgive him and accept his shortcomings. But to just take complete... But there's no accountability. There's none for doing what he did. I'm sure they've probably had their own conversations about it behind closed doors which is why maybe she didn't feel the need to put out this incredibly long statement about what they needed to do moving forward and all this stuff she could have gone into more detail she chose not to just thought it was very very surprising that there's just no accountability she literally could have said anything and she just chose to say it just was a very uh a very calculated response from Crystal Dunn. So, again, we clearly have a lot of work to do. And it's it, it's a, a crossroads. We're at a crossroads for the league because all we're trying to do is bring more people to watch the league, right? That's it. All you're trying to do is bring more people in 
the casuals, the people who are not obsessed with the game like we are. You're trying to bring more people to this sport. And how are you going to do that when stories like this make the national media outlets and anyone who is even considering to think about watching a game is not going to when you hear things like this? Who is going to come and watch these games when you hear stuff like this come out? Right? It's it's like a blessing and a curse that we're removing what needs to be removed. But in the process, you're hurting what the league needs in order to grow and get to where they need to go. So it's like, again, it's just going to take a ton of time to, once all of this gets removed, then we can move forward. Again, there's no guarantee that like someone else who gets hired isn't going to also uh, be an abuser or, or be terrible. That There's always a possibility for these things, but you have to look at this league and say, okay, they've put more rules in place now to protect the players and that is great but if more news like this keeps coming out i'm worried that eventually there won't be a league because who is going to support this when more news like this comes out in terms of wanting to grow the league and go go further than this right if we want to truly enter the mainstream it needs to be a cleaner game this cannot be happening anymore so hopefully this is the last of it uh hopefully but yeah this was a big time story out of portland and It'll be very interesting to see how Portland's year next year goes with after after everything that has happened. How are they going to fare coming into next year? We'll definitely be keep you updated on that. But until then, we will leave that at that. Right, before we move on to a lot of the transfers and trades around the league, along with U.S. Women's National Team related stuff, we have another word from our other sponsor, Scratch Labs. And so Scratch Labs was also there with us again at the convention. I mentioned this in the last episode, and we're, of course, happy to mention it again. They are they have great stuff. Okay, So they were previously sponsoring, um, or they still do. They work in cycling mostly, and they have now ventured into soccer. And so they provide energy bars, energy chews, hydration, mix packs, kind of acting sort of like a liquid IV. They're not trying to replace liquid IV, but great for hydration. They have a whole bunch of products. We essentially fed the entire convention while we were there because Scratch Labs gave us so much stuff to promote their product. And it is really high quality stuff. Okay, ingredients, everything. I swear by the bars. I love them. I could eat them all day long, to be quite honest with you. So whether it's the rice cakes, the energy bars, they have so many different products for you as an athlete to stay healthy and get the fuel you need. So for 25% off your next order, use the code GSN2023. GSN2023 for 25% off your next order. And again, of course, you could check them out on Instagram, but through scratch labs again it's scratch labs with a k but preferably go to their website scratchlabs.com and again that is scratch with the k okay s-k-r-a-t-c-h labs.com all right we're going to get into a lot of the trades moves moving pieces everything going around with the league because there's a lot of great stuff happening we want to keep you up to date on that i will try to go through each team and keep it as succinct as i possibly can because i will go on for quite a while if if no one stops me so here we go we kick it off with angel city jasmine spencer resigns so you have again another solid player in attack now who again i think should be able to move into a more attacking position. Why? They traded for Merritt Mathias. So Tyler Lucy goes to North Carolina. Merritt Mathias comes in, and I've always been a huge fan of Merritt Mathias. She is that extra type of fierce and and nasty and is not afraid to mix it up. I'll put it that I'll put it that way. Not afraid to mix it up with anyone, anytime, any place. She's gonna fight you for it. And, and Angel City honestly needs that type of 
uh, competitiveness. I know Sarah Gordon has that as well, and she's coming back, but not as doesn't have it like Matthias has it. All right, <laughs> I think I think Mary Matthias has that uh, has that award won that category, that title won. She might be the might be the meanest player in the league, and I mean that in the best way possible. Okay, I don't mean that like an assassination of her character. I've seen interviews of her when she's not on the field; she's super relaxed, calm. Some people become a different person when you're on the pitch, right? It's a way to channel your energy in a different way, a chance to flip the switch and become a different person. So, again, love the fact that we trade for Merritt Mathias, and very quietly now, Angel City has a has a solid back line to work with so you they re-added Megan Reed and Paige Nielsen right to support the back line and you already have now Allie Riley Sarah Gordon and Merritt Mathias so you have four out of five solid starting options I swear to god if I see Jasmine Spencer starting it right back I'm a flip because you traded for defenders and you re-signed defenders with the hope that you know this would work out, so I th- I would hope we get Jasmine Spencer in attack to support Kristen Press. I think that makes this team a whole lot more scary. They also add Katie Johnson, uh, who was with the Chicago Red Stars previously, a Mexican uh, international who is uh, coming over from San Diego. And now move, staying in uh, staying in SoCal, essentially, and sticking with Angel City. They also traded away Kerry Ricaro. Chicago needed a midfielder. Move made sense for both sides. I, I wish we wouldn't have traded Kerry away because I think she's still a great, exper- great experienced player to have around. So those are the moves that Angel City made to improve their roster. I love that it happened defensively. So if you have like Thompson, Spencer, Press... Oof, look out, look out. Chicago sent two of their younger players, Chelsea Dauber, Sarah Griffith, back to the A-League. They re-signed Yuki Nagasato and Aaron Wright, which is huge. Those are two veterans who still decided to stick around after this team was absolutely gutted by injuries, right? So you're looking at the re-signing of those two players to come back. Um, Chicago will still be formidable enough re-signing Tatum Malazzo at the back. You re-sign Addie McCain. You, again, just traded for Kerry Ricaro, who's likely going to come in and start right away in that midfield because, again, uh, Sarah Woldmo also retired. So this midfield has been completely gutted, and they need to do something about it. So they did that with Kerry Ricaro. Hopefully they'll add some more. A decent offseason for Chicago, who I guess had a better draft than they did um, offseason acquisitions. Houston, bringing in Sophie Schmidt and Lisa Chapman, the two Canadians, uh, have been stalwarts there for many years. That's not a surprise. You look at uh, Michelle Alozi, uh, the Nigerian, who has, again, got a tremendous amount of potential, and I think they like her a lot. Natalie Jacobs, who, again, was a draft pick the previous year. Uh, is re-signing Ali Prysock again also re-signing and then we talked about Sam Lady coming in as the head coach uh, we actually got the chance to speak with their first team assistant head coach Sarah Loden whose interview will also be coming in the future so again remember that one but between that Houston trading for Diana Ordonez. They get Havana Salon. So they're acquiring some nice nice pieces here. Courtney Peterson, they're very quietly putting their own team together. It's going to be fun to watch after making their first playoff appearance last year. Kansas City, we have to talk about Sam Ewis first. Unfortunately, uh, having another knee surgery, which means that she is out for the foreseeable future, she's not going to be able to make the World Cup, which is huge for the roster. We will talk about that in a little bit. But when you're looking at missing Sam Ewis, that's huge. On the flip side, though, Kansas City locked up Haley Mace. Great player. Like, th- through 2025, next two to three years, great signing. They get those Chicago midfielders, Goutreau and Di Bernardo. So you add even more veteran depth to a team that just made the final. Then you have Dabinia also. Like, are you serious? Then you sign Alex Loera. 
So, re-sign Alex Loera, who we also have had on the podcast. The only move I wish they did make was Elise Bennett trading her away. I think you have a potential great player there who you need to keep and hold on to. Uh, too soon to cut bait on a first-round draft pick, but hey, to each their own. You have Elise Bennett and then Desiree Scott also coming back, plus Michelle Cooper. So, Kansas City... High expectations for them next year, that is for sure. Gotham, of course, we talked about a little bit of their draft moves uh, during the last episode, but to re-sign Taylor Smith, Ife Onamanu, Mandy Freeman, Ashlyn Harris has now retired, so that is big for you know Abby Smith coming in along with Michelle Betos. You have two goalkeepers now uh, to to really be. Uh, fight for that number one spot. Hensley Handcuff as well, I think they like as a young defender. Kristen Edmonds, they signed Victoria Pickett, who didn't work out in Kansas City. And then they get that deal uh, done for Yasmeen Ryan as well. So, decent offseason to add Lynn Williams. They bring McCall Zerboni back. They're going to be really good too. So, keep an eye on Gotham. Everyone's going to be good. That's just how the league is. This, I mean, everyone, it's so cutthroat going to be a ton of parody. Everyone is going to be uh, beating everyone. It's going to be fun to watch. The Courage are in full rebuild mode. Full rebuild mode. So you have a lot of their younger pieces who they have signed are still there. Um, but to lose Dabinia, that's a big loss. You have Casey Murphy, Brianna Pinto. So they have some nice young pieces to rebuild. But you trade away Diana Ordonez. That was, I think, the move that lets everyone know, yeah, this team is... is They're, they're going to be competitive, right? They even traded away Abby Urseg and Carson Pickett for Emily Fox, which, again, you give up so much. I, I love that you traded for Emily Fox. That's the future. That's... Right, that's a, essentially a starting right back for the U.S. Women's National Team, and now for your team, hopefully. But to give up two veterans like that, that was the other indicator that says, "Hey, okay, they're looking to get younger everywhere and try to build this thing from the ground up through the draft, like they have done in the past." The rain pretty much reloaded as well. Nikki Stanton, Lauren Barnes, Megan Rapino is back for another year. They acquired Emily Sonnet. They acquired Elise Bennett. So without losing much of every anything from last year's team. So they're going to be really good again. They have unfinished business. And I think that's why Pino is coming back for another year on a one-year deal. Orlando. Seb Hines deservedly got the head coaching job permanently after coming in on an interim basis. And that was back in November. Very happy for him. Ali Watt re-signed. Back in November, Carrie Lawrence re-signed, Viviana Villacorta, Erica Timrak, who's had a nice resurgence there. Marta is still there. And then they bring in another Brazilian in Adriana Leal da Silva to help out Marta. So I think there's a lot of great stuff to going on in Orlando that no one's talking about. And they're another team that's going to be fun to keep an eye on. Portland, we just talked about them. They are bringing everyone back. So, again, they are still expected to be competitive. You have Becky Sauerbrunn, Christine Sinclair, Rocky Rodriguez, Sam Coffey, Morgan Weaver, all re-signing. So you're bringing back all the big names. Mike Norris comes in. Another British man coming in. So you're like, why is this still happening? But, again, Karina LeBlanc has done an incredible job as the GM. So Mike Norris... Uh, is coming in, and we'll see how he does coming in. And then you have Tegan McGrady, Michelle Vasconcelos, another couple of really good players to add. So I think they're going to be competitive as ever, in spite of what they have going on. That's going to be fun to watch them. Racing Louisville, J-Mac going to Australia, but she will be back. Uh, that's, yeah, she'll be back. Alex Chidiak will also be back. That was a huge one. Amina Ekic is getting great experience in Australia right now. You re-sign Jalen Howell. That's a centerpiece. You have Katie Lund, who I think they really like as a number one keeper. And then you trade for Abby Ursag and Carson Pickett. So they get 
a little more veteran experience to go with some of the young stars that they have on the roster. And clearly they they went in a different direction from what North Carolina was, was going in. They said, hey, we're going to give up our guys. And um, yeah, I think Racing Louisville is in a much better position by making that move. And then they signed Riley Parker as well, who they drafted last month. Last two teams, San Diego re-signing Kaylee Real. But they didn't weren't as busy. I do love the addition of Danielle Coloprico. Uh her ability to distribute and create is gonna be among some of the best in the league. So I think giving that adding that wrinkle into that already tricky San Diego wave offense to try and defend is is gonna be a lot of fun. So I think seeing her Coloprico, how she fits in with that team is going to be a big key for them uh, as they look to repeat what they did last year. And then Maddie Pogarge from the Thorns, nice little move there as well. Lastly, Washington, Mark Parsons coming in. He is back. The man is back, right? Uh, I think they cared more about what they did through the draft because they just re-signed a lot of of players uh, like Aubrey Kingsbury, who you better re-sign. Tara McCown re-signed. Jordan DiBiase, Jordan Baggett now resigns. Anna Halfordy, Nicole Barnhart, Amber Brooks. They're bringing back a lot of key players along with who they like in the draft a lot. So Mark Corian coming in to the NWSL for the first time. We're going to get to see just how good he is uh, in a new position like this. So really excited about all these moves. And we're going to have to see how it plays out as we move Closer to the NWSL season, we are just a couple months away. Wow, I cannot wait. Alrighty, before we go, we've got U.S. Women's National Team talk. Important stuff to to go over. Their roster was just named for the She Believes Cup. Three keepers, A. Dizzle, Casey Murphy, Alyssa Nair, three of the best that we have. No surprises there. Defensively, Alana Cook, Emily Fox, Crystal Dunn, Naomi Germa, who's been incredible, Sofia Huerta, Becky Sauerbrunn, Emily Sonnet. Again, no surprises there. Midfield, Lindsey Horan, Taylor Korniak, who has been getting her way into the team as a midfielder, bizarrely enough, which I think is weird. Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, Andy Sullivan. That is the key player to me for all of this. Andy Sullivan is essentially our hope. If she cannot play, it really comes down to how well does she play the number six. If she can play the number six well, this team is going to win the World Cup. If we can't, if if she does not, we can't find a true number six. We're gonna. It's going to be tough. It's going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult to do. But she's been getting every opportunity, and I hope that. You know, she can come into her own here leading up to the World Cup. Forwards-wise, Ashley Hatch, Alex Morgan, Midge Purse, Pino, Trinity Rodman, Mallory Swanson, Lynn Williams. Again, pretty much who was just invited for these friendly matchups against New Zealand. It's pretty much the same roster. This looks like it's going to be the team that should be going to the World Cup. I think this summer, this looks like what the final roster could look like. So be sure to... Keep an eye on this and then compare it with the roster at the end of the year, barring some setbacks. Tierna Davidson is back training with the team, which is huge. So maybe she finds a way to work herself back in. I don't know who would come off the squad. Possibly Emily Fox. Possibly, uh, yeah, I think it would just have to be Emily Fox. She can't take Sofia Huerta off because her ability to, her crossing and service ability alone is is of the highest order. You need that in your team to, to break down any defense. So I think when you look at this team, it is as solid as it's ever, you know, going to be right now based on injuries and everything else that's going on. And then based on who they're playing, you know, Japan, Brazil, Canada, I think Canada, Canada is the toughest opponent. Japan is right behind them. They're going to be a tough match. And then Brazil. I think Brazil is... For sure, the most winnable match for the U.S. women's national team. I think that is the game they will win by multiple goals. I think 
Japan is always tough. We know this because of how they play tactically, because of how they pass the ball and spread out and and move things around. They make you they make you really have to make tough decisions out there on the field who who to guard, how to play, all that stuff you have to consider when you're playing Japan. They are so precise in what they do. So you have to keep an eye on them. That's going to be a tough one as well, and we're definitely going to see some players who we've seen before. Interested to see if Junendo makes that final roster. And then lastly, the Canadians, the arch rivals. Uh, you know, in years past, I feel like when you had England and another team, it made it a little more fun. Here you have Canada as the toughest opponent, and... It's going to be a great one, as it always is. The Canadians always are are coming, are coming for us. They're looking to to win as many games over the United States as they possibly can. So we'll see. Hopefully, um, we're we're about what eleven days away from the She Believes Cup. So get ready for that one. It's it's going to be exciting. It's essentially this is the last time. Really, I mean, yes, there there might be some, uh, there there probably will be some more tune-up games leading up to the World Cup, and those will be important uh, sometime in the spring. But this is like the last time we're really gonna watch them in a competition setting with a round robin type setting like this that sort of is in line with how the World Cup works, where it's, it's in a group stage format. So. I think this is going to be a ton of fun this year because it has even more meaning than before. So, can the United States win convincingly in these three games? I think that'll give everyone a little bit more of a reason to be excited heading into next summer. I expect that to happen. I think Canada, again, will pose a ton of problems uh, for our back line, but they they prefer to sit back and play against us because they know that the United States is gonna is gonna attack them and go after them. And the Canadians are content to sit back and defend a little bit and try and catch the United States on the counter. So it's gonna be a fun one. Cannot wait for that. She believes Cup coming up soon. Right, we will have plenty of content coming on the site also. So beware. I will be writing previews, recaps, all that great stuff. Be sure to keep it locked with us at GSM. That is all that we have for you today on episode 58 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera. And again, thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. We truly appreciate you. Every single download means the world to us. Honestly, it really does. And please continue to give us feedback. Anything we can do uh, to improve this thing and take it to the next level, get, get it in front of more people we're looking to do that. So whatever we can do to improve this thing, please let us know. Again, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com for more info. At Girls Soccer Network on Instagram and at Girls Soccer Net on Twitter. All the latest and greatest news analysis, check us out there. Again, I am your host. Again, this is Give and Go, episode 58. Rotas Wadera signing off. Thank y'all. Peace.